big banks in particular have really lost touch with their customers. And so this opens up this incredible white space for innovators to come in and provide solutions. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at CurrencyCloud.com. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hi, and welcome to another Currency Cloud podcast. This is Rich Arundel from Currency Cloud, and I am delighted to be joined today by Colin Walsh, who is CEO and co-founder of Varo. Um, Colin, hi, how are you? I'm great, Rich. Thanks for uh, having me on your podcast. No worries. Listen, really looking forward to it. I think we, we might as well get started by kind of asking a little bit about, about you, about your background, and I guess you know, why you set up Varo. I started my career with 25 years in traditional financial services companies. So I was uh, in the UK and uh, covering the European consumer business for Amex. I spent uh, quite a bit of time at Lloyd's Banking Group. And prior to that, I was at Wells Fargo. And so having spent so many years inside the more established companies, I felt somewhat uniquely qualified to understand some of their shortcomings. And also where I felt this next generation of consumers were being pretty underserved. And and when I say that, I mean, there's a group of consumers, particularly in the United States right now, that just don't have access to the tools that can help them live healthy financial lives. And it really is the basics. It's things like, how do you manage your cash flow? How do you build up savings, whether it's to cover an emergency expense or a certain goal? How do you get access to responsible credit when you have to borrow money for, it could be short-term expenses, or it could be consolidating expensive debt. And I just felt that there weren't solutions out there that were really holistically looking at helping customers improve their financial situation and get ahead. So that was the inspiration to start Varo. And right from the beginning, I realized that to do this well, you really had to be a bank. You had to be able to help customers right from the start with fundamental products like the checking account, which is all about you know, your day-to-day cash flow and money coming in and money going out um, and providing some tools to help people understand how to manage that in a way where they're not incurring lots of fees and charges. They're managing ups and downs in terms of their expenses. And then in addition, how do you think about savings and not only you know, getting started on the savings journey, but really building savings over time to create that buffer, whether it's for an emergency um, or for, you know, longer term things that you want in life. And then again, with the lending side. So all of that really kind of pointed towards having to create a bank. And so as I sat there thinking about, okay, if I leave this whole big company world and all the trimmings and trappings that come with that to venture out on my own and start something really exciting and different, you know, what might that look like? And that's really where the whole idea around borrow came into being. And certainly very excited in terms of the progress that we made in the little over two years since the company was started. Okay. And I guess, so from Varo's point of view, you talk about this mission around kind of improving the, it's all around the customer and their financial life. It's improving that kind of financial life for the customer. 
Now, what I think what's interesting for you guys is if, if you look at banks and look at maybe what's broken in, in, in the banking world at the moment, you talk about kind of traditional banks and then you've got these kind of speciality banks. But obviously more and more we're seeing kind of more and more kind of fintech banking apps. Where is it that you see that VARA kind of fits into that world? Sure. Well, I, I'll uh, give you my view of the landscape, but also stepping back, I would say that if you look at banking as an industry, which has been around for 2,000 years, it's been about, at least it certainly had been about trust. It's about going to your local banker and talking about whether it's everyday financial problems or dreams and goals and things you want to achieve in your life. And unfortunately, over the last few decades, the banks have gotten so big and so inwardly focused. You know, their technology is aging. Their cultures are relatively inert and they get very challenging to drive innovation. And so I would say that the big banks in particular have really lost touch with their customers. And so this opens up this incredible white space for innovators to come in and provide solutions that you know minimize friction that maximize delight that are more affordable to really take a big chunk of share away from these incumbent players that have kind of lost the focus so that would be kind of my characterization of the major players then you've got another group as you were pointing towards what you might call these specialty banks. So banks like Ally and Discover and now Goldman Sachs is in this space. And I think they're all doing some really interesting things. And I think they also have focused much more on creating better customer experiences. I think one of the things that's a little bit different about them versus Varo is they tend to serve two distinct customer bases. So they tend to gather deposits through high yield sort of savings accounts focused on a particular segment of consumers who have deposits and are really looking at getting the best interest rate. And then they lend to a different group of customers who are looking for a variety of different lending solutions. You know, if it's Ally, it's probably auto lending. You know, if it's Discover, it might be credit cards. And so they tend to have a slightly bifurcated approach and it's not really a pure relationship model. And then you talked a little bit about you know, the fintech app. So you've got the digits and the capitals and the acorns, uh, who I think are doing an amazing job in terms of really reinventing what a great experience could look like, but they're very narrow in terms of what they provide. So they tend to be focused on very specific point solutions. And the three I mentioned are all kind of in the savings. Acorns is in the investing space, but they're quite narrow. And then you have companies like Chime and Simple and a few others that are you know, focused more on that core checking account and savings, but really not trying to create a comprehensive relationship banking model. So I think where Varo is quite different is that in many respects, our strategy is similar to the big banks in the sense that we want to be the core banking relationship. We want to start with the checking account and we want to meet a variety of customers' needs, but we're doing it from a point of view of trying to improve the customer's financial health and trying to create you know, great experiences that really feel simple and easy to use. You can solve problems with just a few taps. You have access to tools that are really helpful for people that are not terribly engaged with their money. In fact, many of them are pretty hands-off when it comes to managing their day-to-day finances Um, and doing all of that in a much more affordable way where you don't have all of those fees and charges can actually be quite harmful to customers, particularly those that have relatively volatile cash flows. So, I'm going to change track slightly because I think it's quite interesting for the listeners, and this is something that I'm, I'm personally quite interested in. Obviously, you've had a number of years in 
you know, working for a lot of traditional players and you talked about kind of the, the mission and, and why you set up the bank. But talk us through that journey. What's it like kind of leaving um, kind of a well-established player in the industry and actually starting from an idea around, you know, I think we need to set up a bank here. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite I mean, amazing. It's, I have to say, it's an amazing journey. I mean, like, so you leave these big corporate jobs where you've got, you know, this huge institution behind you and you've got a big established brand and you've got hundreds, if not thousands of people working for you. And, you know, you just make a phone call and anyone will answer your call and, you know, be at your you know, right at your doorstep because they see big contracts and, you know, opportunities to do business with a big company. And then they'll leave that all behind. And initially it was just me, like working out of my guest bedroom, you know, writing PowerPoint decks and going down to Silicon Valley and trying to pitch venture capitalists around creating the bank of the future. And they looked at me and like, well, you know, you've got an interesting CV, but, you know, this is really hard and nobody's ever gotten a bank charter in 10 years. And why do you think you can do it? And what do you know about building software and, and all of that sort of stuff? And so, you know, the first few months were pretty daunting because it's like, wow, you know, <laughs> what am I taking on? But, you know, the more you talk about it and the more you connect with people around the problem and, you know, financial health around the world, but particularly in the U.S. is such a huge issue and people can really engage around it. And it doesn't take a lot of convincing to realize how fundamentally broken the existing model is for so many consumers. And so, you know, the more you kind of keep talking about it, the more people really believe. And it wasn't long before I had an amazing team of people around me who said, you know, I believe in this. I believe in you. I believe that this is something we can actually influence and that we can really shape what the future of this industry could look like. And that's when the excitement really begins. And so it really wasn't that long after I started the company that I started to engage with Warburg Pincus, which is a huge global private equity fund. And I've known them for some time. And I said, look, you know, I've spent all these years in banking. I've dealt with, you know, all sorts of different issues from regulatory to you know, how to serve customers and um, how to build technology platforms and all the rest of this. And, you know, and I think that, you know, myself and this team that I've pulled together are going to change the future of banking. And they were like, well, that's great because we're looking to invest in a team and in a company that actually could do this. And so within literally a matter of months, they had funded us and we raised, I think, the second largest fintech series A in the United States. And so we brought in almost $28 million in our first round of funding, which gave us the capital that we needed to lay down the foundation, put in place the partnership ecosystem, really start to get a head start on building a product that consumers would really love. You know, back to your initial question, I mean, that journey of going from, you know, all the trimmings and trappings of a big company to literally sitting in your guest bedroom, opening up your laptop and writing a PowerPoint about what the future of banking is going to look like is quite a daunting experience. So that, that's super interesting. And I think, you know, it must be really, really rewarding from your side of things. Obviously, you were at that point kind of one man in his dream. And I think, you know, looking at the team you've built, I mean, and, and these aren't kind of disciples, right? These, these are experienced people that have come on this journey with you. Uh, and they've also been at some some really interesting companies. Um, yeah, I, I'm incredibly proud of the team that we've been able to pull together. I mean, it's not, and, it, and I think Varro is very unique in the sense that it's this hybrid of people who have incredible depth of experience in financial services, have run some of the largest banking and financial services businesses in the world alongside of some of the best and brightest minds out of Silicon Valley. So when, you know, initially I needed 
the people that understood financial services to help raise capital and get into contracts and apply for state lending licenses and all that stuff that's really, really hard. And if you don't know what you're doing, it can be super hard. And so we were able to punch through a lot of that really early on. But once we started to get traction, I turned my eye towards my backyard here in Silicon Valley and said, I need to bring in people from some of these great companies and some you know, incredible talent that can create this product that's going to be very different from anything else out there. And that's when I hired my chief product officer out of TaskRabbit. I hired my uh, head of brand and comms out of Apple, people out of Amazon, Lyft, Google, Instagram. And that team of people who really have never spent any time in banking, but they care deeply about the problem we were trying to solve is when I would say things really have started humming here. And, you know, the other thing that I think very much differentiates us from many other companies is the intensity with which we listen and develop our product alongside of our customers. So right from the very beginning, we started assembling this group of millennial advisors who were people that we would go to almost every weekend. And in the evenings, we'd invite them in. We would just talk about what would the bank of the future look like to you? What are the problems you're trying to solve? And I I mentioned earlier, things like managing cash flow and automating and building savings and how to access credit and all that were things that were listening to the issues that these folks were facing and started to build out a research function, probably like month three or four, where we were regularly talking to customers and we were recruiting people in to help us kind of get this moving and really starting to develop a community of people that were vested in seeing something like this succeed. And we didn't at that time really know kind of what that would be. But then as we started to iterate with an alpha product and then a beta product, and then we put an early version of our product into the app store, we started putting up listening posts things like suggest a feature, which is in our app in the settings. We've had thousands of customers commenting on things that they'd like to see. We pay attention to every app review, whether it's a five-star or one-star. We're looking at that and saying, what are we learning from that? We do NPS um, surveys and our NPS score has gone up, I think about 30 points in the last 90 days because we're listening to customers and we're actively developing the things that they're looking for. Okay, so the, it's the interesting concept, I guess, and, and, and looking at the, the team you've built and these guys, as you said, they don't come from a banking world, but they come from companies that are very much customer-centric. And that's kind of what you've translated into Varo. And this is really, the innovation has come from this feedback, this constant feedback and iteration from the people who are using your service. And that's, I think, really powerful. Yeah, well, it's sort of creating this sense of community where people come into Varo and they know they're being listened to. And they know that their voice is really important in terms of what not just the future product is going to be, but what the future of this company and and the ambition of this company to really change banking. And so indirectly, I think everybody who contributes to, you know, again, whether it's an app review or whether it's a comment or talking about someone else's comment in our suggested feature is really helping co-develop. And I'll give an example. Like, so in the fourth quarter, we had four things that customers were asking for. Like, you know, they, they were asking for lots of things. But the four things that are the most popular things that they asked for is, you know, they want to deposit checks over their phone. They want to deposit cash at like a Safeway or a CVS or a Walgreens or a Rite Aid. They wanted to get their paycheck early and they wanted us to expand our customer service hours. And so in the course of three months, we delivered everything they asked for. 
So we just focused our engineers and our product and design teams on, okay, this is what's important to our customers. So we just pushed all of those things out. And the reception from the customers was just amazing. They're like, wow, you actually gave us everything we asked for. You know, now here's, you know, here are the next things that we want. You know, and so then the next list comes up. But the point is that in 90 days, we delivered against you know, all of that. Whereas in my previous employers, whether Amex or Wells or whoever, it would take 90 days just to get a meeting on the calendar. You yeah. have everybody get together and just talk about the problem. <laughs> you know, so the speed at which we're able to move because we're a small company and we're so customer obsessed is another kind of key differentiator. So you effectively you're creating this agile banking world, which you, and you're, you're you're taking the best bits of these kind of fintech startups um, that are very customer centric and agile and small, but also putting this this banking umbrella over the top. Yeah, it must be really exciting for you guys. Yeah, it definitely is. So we talked about kind of your your mission, and we talked about the kind of the early stages of the journey. But but wh- where are you going with this? What what's the kind of overriding vision for Varo? What what's where does the journey end, or, or where, where does that road lead to? Well, the journey never ends. I think that you know we're you know in it for, to go the distance, and so we don't see ourselves as having a sort of a start and stop point. I think it's about continuing to listen to customers, continuing to innovate, continuing to deliver delightful experiences, continuing to hone our ability to solve problems for our customers. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'm very proud of is the mission focus of this organization. I think that's part of why we've been able to attract such amazing talent is that we really are authentically focused on making a difference for these customers. And I think that is a really important ingredient to our success. So not only do we measure our kind of key metrics and, you know, how many customers have we acquired and what did it cost to acquire them and how active are they and all the things that, you know, an investor would typically look at. We also measure our social impact. So we measure to what extent are we actually helping to reduce the cost of banking for customers. So we can look at the fees that they were charged before they joined Borrow and the fees that they're being charged after they join Borrow, which if they're using Borrow, they should be very little to none. We look at Uh, How many customers are opening up savings accounts? And did they have savings accounts before they joined Borrow? And are they actually starting to build savings? So these are things that are really important to us. And the fact that we've been able to attract investment from a fund like the Rise Fund, who's part of our Series B fundraising, is a great testament to the focus that we have as a company on having a positive social impact. And the Rise Fund was created to invest in companies around the world that are doing good, but also are you know, commercially minded and, and recognize that to succeed in the long run, you have to make money, but you can also win when your customers win. And the challenges, I guess, will be quite interesting. And, and with any startup, there'll be challenges. What, what do you guys see as the kind of the biggest challenges to your success over the next kind of year, 18 months? Well, uh, one of the things that we haven't talked about is we are also the first fintech in the history of the United States, to the extent that I'm aware, that has applied to become a full national bank. And again, it goes back to what I said in the beginning, that to do this well, you really have to be a bank. You have to operate on both sides of the customer's balance sheet. That was a rather ambitious move on our part when we had literally just launched our product and had just started our operations in terms of bringing on customers. But I have to say it's going really well and it's a rigorous process. And I don't think we could do it if we didn't have so many people inside the company that deeply understood banking and financial services and 
capital and you know all of the operating risks that have to be managed, how to think about information security and cybersecurity and third-party vendor management and all the things that are absolutely critical from a regulator's perspective. But the fact that you know we've come this far and we're having you know, very positive engagement with the regulators, you know, is an exciting part of our journey. But your question is, you know, what are some of the challenges? Well, it certainly raises the bar for us and for everybody else, if that proceeds and we actually become a bank, which I'm, I'm optimistic that we will, it's a lot of work. And we've got to build out not just a great product, a customer-facing product, we have to build out the risk infrastructure and the operations infrastructure and the technology. And there's a lot of work and a lot of investment associated with that. But you know, the good news is we've got incredible investors and incredible investor support for what we're doing. But you know, there's a lot to get done. And so that alongside of you know, continuing to iterate and deliver these great experiences, you know, it's going to be a busy, <laughs> busy few years. Well, I mean, you're one of the few uh, startups, you know, two years old, and you are, you're taking on kind of the big incumbent financial institutions. But it sounds like you've got an incredible team, you built an incredible team, you've got great passion. And listen, I can't wait to see what, what the next uh, couple of years holds for, for you guys. Well, thanks. We'll keep you posted. Fantastic. Well, listen, you've been listening to me, uh, Rich Andrew from Currency Cloud. And again, it's been Colin Walsh, CEO and co-founder of uh, Varo. And you can find them at varomoney.com. Colin, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.